Welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, with a private practice where I specialize in working with women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll be discussing all things childhood, womanhood, and motherhood, and everything in between. I'll be interviewing various women who will be sharing their birth stories, as well as others who will be providing tips to help us be able to navigate this crazy world that we live in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And now a word from our sponsor. Good moms have bad days. Understanding postpartum mood disorders is a battle cry for moms suffering from postpartum mood disorders, a spectrum of disorders that affects one in seven postpartum women. This book, written by journalist and survivor Erin Simpson, is intended to arm women and their families with the knowledge they need about what is happening to their minds and bodies during the postpartum period. This book includes information about treatment options, stories from survivors, plus research and movements being conducted across the country to make mental health and maternal mental health a priority. To learn more, grab your copy, visit goodmomshavebaddays.com. All right, so thank you for joining for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I am here with one of my best friends, Julia, which I call Jay. Hi, Jay. Welcome back. This is your second time being on here. I feel special. This is my repeat. Give me one more time and we get a three-peat. And I've introduced Jay before in our previous episode on... um, Black women in our women in our Black History episode, and um, she is a dean. She is in a sorority. She's in the community. She does volunteerism. She's a board member. She's just you know making the world a better place. She was just telling me a wonderful story about <laughs> all the good things that she does. But on top of all of that, she is also a mother of a son, a nine-year-old daughter, and a four-year-old son, right? Yes. Can you believe that? I know, right? <laughs> Time is flying. Like, you um almost have, like, a preteen. I know, and she already acts like it, so I do have a preteen. Um, the things that come out her mouth, her emotions, just kind of her responses to things. I, I feel like I'm living with a preteen that's a nine-year-old. I know. And we were talking the other day about how you don't know, like, a woman's motherhood journey. It's not, like, something that we just just kind of talk about, like, all the time, day in and day out, until you have to talk about it. And I've only heard bits and pieces from each. More so, I learned more about Garvey than I did with Z, because I really wasn't even, like, around when you had her. I didn't meet her until she was, like, older. Um, So... I wanted to talk about all of that, but first, okay. um, you were originally born in Jamaica, right? Yes. And you didn't come to the States until you were how old? Nine. So how was life growing up in Jamaica? Um, life growing up in Jamaica was, um, it was great for me and, um, it wasn't really, um, a struggle. Um, my parents had, you know, good jobs. They made, um, a good income. Um, so in my, my, mind as a child you know I had everything material um 
I, um, well, let me get into the background. My mom left when I was maybe about four years old um, to come to the States to work, but there was some more stuff added to it. I later found out that a part of it was she was um, trying to also escape the abusive situation with my dad. And um, so my dad was always working and really wasn't around much. So we had what we call in Jamaica, they're called helpers, what people here would call like a nanny. So a good portion of that part of my life, I was, you know, raised by a nanny while my mom was here and my dad was, you know, busy working and doing whatever else he was doing. So um, my grandmother played a huge role during that time as well. but um, she couldn't be around consistently because her and my dad, they they didn't mesh too well. But that was my, you know, my motherhood figure. And I remember like growing up and was a bit embarrassed by the fact that um, nannies was raising me. Really? Um, yeah. And I know most people would be like, girl, that's a privilege. Ah, it's like a luxury. But it, yeah, but as a young girl, not really having that relationship and that, that connection with your mother and being angry about it but you know knowing now as an adult why she had to do what she had to do um so for me life we had all the material things that you know we wanted um we it was it was a good time in that space but in terms of that emotional well-being now that i'm adult and i can process it shout out to therapy um (laughs) i understand that you know that part was lacking that I had everything that I thought I wanted, Mm -hmm. but those key components, um, I didn't have at that point. So, um, yeah, so material wise, things were good. You got to go to the beach, you know, you got to do, um, all that good stuff. But, um, from emotional perspective, um, it was lacking. So, yeah. So mom was gone for five years. Mm-hmm. And you were primarily raised by nanny and your grandmother was kind of in and out. Right. How was your relationship with your nanny? Um, it was it was good. Um, some of them were and I don't think you and I ever talked about that. So there mm-hmm. were good ones because there were multiple. Oh. Um, so there were there were good, some good ones and there were some bad ones. I had one that was um, physically abusive. Mm. Um. But that kind of punishment oftentimes, you know, is considered normal. But again, you know, being an adult and processing it, now you understand what that was. Um, And I also had some that were so young that they were just excited to have a job and they didn't really um, give good care. But then I also um, had a nanny that was amazing and was my nanny until um, I got you know, ready to come to the States. But so that part is good. So I started out with saying it was good. Well, it wasn't all good. That part was good. Um, You know, the the latter part with the nanny was good, but the earlier parts, it was just kind of like, you know, whatever. So. Okay. So my visualization of this is you're in Jamaica, there's beaches to someone who doesn't live in Jamaica. Jamaica looks like paradise and you would have somewhat of a, uh, financial ability to have had a nanny and then you've had them in and out. Mom has gone for five years, but you're like deep in Jamaican culture. You're born in it. And then you right. come to the States when you're nine. What was mm-hmm. that like? Culture shock. Mm-hmm. Um, you see America on TV or, you know, you hear the stories from people that travel back and forth and people aren't really honest um, about life here. You know, they paint this picture of 
everything is so perfect here. So coming here, first of all, I came in the middle of a Chicago winter. So you came to Chicago first? Yes, I came to Chicago first. And it was very cold. Well, that I, is a culture shock, coming from Jamaica to Chicago. I remember uh, getting off the plane and, and like, literally, like, talking. And there was um, the, my breath. It was, um, you know, you were like, what is that? Oh, You're not used wow. to that. You're not used to seeing your breath in the air from the coldness. Yeah. So um, that was culture shock. But, you know, I was excited to come because it meant that I was being reunited with my mother. And um, it was it was so good. You know, um, I, she, she actually had came that earlier that year. That was 93. So she actually came, you know, earlier that year. And then, um, so by the time I came back, you know, it was like, oh gosh, I'm going to get to live with my mom and everything. But, you know, even moving to Chicago, you know, it was definitely a culture shock. I was the, you know, the new girl with the accent. And while people might think Jamaican culture is so cool, when you're a nine-year-old girl, you dress differently, you look a little bit differently, you know, um, things are, you know, not as easy. Like Mm. people love Jamaican culture, but then, you know... Kids are mean, so I had to adjust to that, um, and I caught on pretty quickly. I got rid of my accent you pretty fast. You got rid of it? I got rid of it pretty fast because you didn't want to stand out. Mm. You know, you just wanted to blend in. You just wanted to be one of the um, the regular kids. You didn't want to be the girl with the accent. So, you know, I, I worked very hard within maybe the first six months to completely eradicate it. Um, also, I was um, a stellar student and kids used to make fun of me in a sense because in Jamaica, when, you know, you got up to, you know, you answered a question in class, you got up from your seat to answer the question. Uh. And there was no sitting down in your seat. And then people made fun of me because every time I got asked a question in class, I would get up and um answer and Uh. they were like what is she doing (laughs) it things as simple as like assignments i was you gave me an assignment and the day um the next day it was done whether it was a report it was you know it was type at that time my parents had a typewriter i don't think we didn't have a computer until i was in probably late middle school mm-hmm. so um so i would type it on the typewriter and the next day it would be this three page research paper because we had um encyclopedias mm-hmm. in the house mm-hmm. and um the teachers would like like see look at julia she did this and her assignment <laughs> is done so they would be calling me out but it really made me kind of like you know a target um so i worked very hard um in blending in instead of standing out and there were you know parts of me that I used to love and you know used to cherish that I thought you know these parts had to die because you don't want to be the kid with the you know the different accent and also the kid that is you know indirectly showing other kids up so um I I worked very hard with becoming Americanized Mm. as soon as I possibly could um but yeah so that's it in a nutshell well i mean i think that's like common just for like that age group of like you know when kids become a certain age and they want to blend in or they want to be amongst their peer groups and not be bullied or teased so it's like whatever is needed at all costs you know and they're right and then other kids who do pick and 
say those things or so immature to not really like embrace like, oh, wow, this person is so different, but it's unfortunate. So but what can you expect from children? I right. mean, they're children as well. Right. So then you're with mom now reunited mm-hmm. at nine. How was that? Like, how were you in her, in your relationship together? It was a struggle. Um, I don't think she really knew how to close that gap, you know, that had existed over the years. And um, I knew she loved me, but, you know, things were uh, uh, distant and things had been, things continued to be distant, you know, over time. I think until I even went off to college, we, we didn't have the best relationship. So it was me um, being nine, 10 years old, trying to process it, saying, you know, hey, I'm here, you know, uh, you know, love me. And I know she loved me because, um, and you'll probably hear this, um, this repeated a lot amongst um, Caribbean folks that a lot of times they know their parents love them by them providing for them. Mm-hmm. It's not really, you know, something that was expressed and things like that. So, um, you know, it was, it was, it was rough. The, it wasn't like the, the perfect transition that I expected that we would just be like, you know, the best of friends. And, you know, my mom was, she was distant. And um, because of that, you know, for me, I needed to get that attention from other places, you know. So in turn, I was really rebellious over the years, um, just just getting into situations and um, things I didn't really need to get into. And I think, you know, a part of me just kind of wanted some form of attention and wanted some form of stability and um you know being 36 years old i can process that right now but you know back then it was just like well whatever you don't care i don't care you know um so it was rough and you know it continued to be rough and we never really had that mother-daughter relationship that i thought we would have um i mean we're there now um well most days um, there's some days where I'm like I uh, get off the phone I don't want to talk to you but um but we're there now um and it took I think it took me having to come into my own womanhood to understand that you know what she had been through and that she was really doing the best she could right. with you know what she had um so yeah so it it was a bit rough it wasn't at all what i envisioned it wasn't the happy reunion it was you know we were individuals in a home my mom provided you know um we we had conversations but it was never you know it, it, it wasn't idealistically what you think about when you think about a mom and her daughter that had been separated for so long and they both have the opportunity to make it right gotcha so then fast forward from what I know about you, you got married at 25? 26. 26. Mm-hmm. And unexpectedly, you got pregnant right. on your honeymoon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's not that you, well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. Were kids in the plans? Um. Yes and no. And they were in the plans, but they were in the plans a little bit later on in life. And I'll explain why. Um, The summer after I graduated from um, college, from undergrad, I was diagnosed with PCOS. Mm. 
And um, what my doctor explained to me at that time was it's not that you can't get pregnant. It will just be a difficult process. Well, she didn't use the word difficult. She said it was be a bit challenging and may require, you know, some kind of medical intervention, such as taking hormones. I remember her talking about, um, I think it was Clomid at the Mm. time that you would have to take. So for me, um, my senior year is when I started dating my husband. And I remember talking to him about it, saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't continue this because, you know, I know you're, you know, you really want children. And, you know, I just got this diagnosis that I might not be able to have um, have children and to this day he said the funniest thing he said I'm not worried about that I'm African I can make we can make some babies <laughs> so um so you know he he kind of gave me that you know the confidence that you know come what may we you know we would figure it out together but so children um were was they were in the plans maybe in our 30s not right then and there um you know, right after we got married, but you know, that's what happens. Men and women have sex, you know, babies sometimes happen. So, um, so yeah, so it happened. And, um, I think we were just so just happy that I had gotten pregnant that we never truly processed the fact that we were going to be parents. Mm. We were just so focused on, we weren't even trying. Yeah. And you got pregnant. And the doctor said it would be difficult to be pregnant. And we would spend all this money trying to get pregnant. So we were just so elated that, you know, a miracle had happened that we were so focused on having a pregnancy and having the baby that the parenting side hadn't really set in yet Mm -hmm. and you know back then no one was talking about you know mothers creating space for themselves or you know um what um uh postpartum depression looked like you know our ideas of postpartum depression look more like psychosis right that that's what you thought it looked like like you know a, a woman driving her her car in the lake mm-hmm. or you know someone mistreating their kids so i never understood that i was just so happy to be pregnant gotcha so z came yes and you go home what yeah. was that like what was the first week like it was let's talk about the first night mm. um it was so scary. I rushed out of the hospital because I just wanted to be home with my baby and I shouldn't have left the hospital that early. Um, you know, I, even though I went to the breastfeeding classes and all of that, I was, I was a fish out of water. The first night was rough. And honestly, um, I wouldn't have made it through any of it without my husband. You know, I always joke with you guys and tell, you know, he's like, he's like, built for this you know i i had to learn this but you know the first night it was so scary i could not i didn't go to sleep i like stayed up and you know and he stayed up with me he he wanted to do whatever it was to make me feel comfortable and it progressed within um my, you know, the, the doctor kept saying, oh, well, you know, your milk will come in. Just try, you know, feeding. Just let her, you know, suck on your nipples. It'll come. She's getting um, 
she's getting what she needs from the colostrum. Well, when we went for, was it the three day or five day checkup? Mm -hmm. She was at the danger zone in terms of she wasn't eating. And oh gosh, I'm tearing up thinking about this. She wasn't gaining weight. She was losing weight. She was losing weight. And, um, I, um, I look, I look back on the pictures of her because we have a picture where we're taking her to that doctor's visit mm-hmm. and and looking back on it I can see how tiny mm. she was and um, I get in there and they're like oh my gosh she's at the danger zone she had lost so much weight during that time so right then and there they brought in um, a breastfeeding nurse and you know we sat there um, and the nurse went through everything with us that, you know, and, and, and my husband should do was there. And he was just, he was like calming me because I was, I was a wreck, a wreck to yeah. say, oh my gosh, my, my baby, like is literally like starving. Yeah. Cause they kept saying, don't give her a bottle. You know, she'll, she'll be fine. You want her to be able to latch and don't give her a bottle. So again, listening to what other people telling you is right and not going with your gut mm-hmm. you know i i gave i didn't give her a bottle i just kept saying well she's 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 fine they said you know she's getting what she needs so you know went to the the um the doctor i mean not so we're, we're learning breastfeeding and all the techniques and how to hold her head and you know and and, and my husband's there with me and I kid you not, um, we went back a week later and she had gained nine ounces. Wow. Yeah, because <laughs> that's how much she she needed. Yeah. She had gained nine ounces and, you know, I got that down. Still was worried, you know, still wasn't sleeping through the nights. We used to sleep in shifts or, um, you know, he went back to work after 10, uh, 10 days. Mm-hmm. But like he would, he would literally, even when he had to go to work the next day, stay up with me mm. because he needed, I think he knew something wasn't right, yeah. you know, but then again, we didn't have the language for it. We, right. you know, we weren't as woke as these 20 something year olds are right now. Yeah. Cause obviously like you were suffering from some serious anxiety. Definitely. I didn't sleep at all. Even when my mom came to stay with her, my mom had, had caught the flu during the first couple of days she um, was born. So my mom didn't come till after she was, you know, flu free. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit later. And even when my mom was there, you know, I would still, my mom would say, go get some sleep, go do something. And I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I would literally say, no, give me the baby. I, I can't. And one thing I was just, I was fearful. I felt like I had been so blessed with this gift mm. that I couldn't do anything wrong. I remember being downstairs one day and um, trying to put her onesie over her head. And I was so afraid of breaking her little neck that I started crying and I like ran out the house. Mm. And, you know, my husband was there and he's like, come back, let's do it together. Um, I was just so afraid of like hurting her. I was so afraid of her like dying in the middle of the night. Just. So you're definitely suffering from postpartum anxiety disorder, for sure. Yes. Didn't know what that was then, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, it was, it was trying, you know, it was trying. And um, I rushed back and I went to work 
because again just being young you know feeling like I don't want them to um, feel like I can't do my job because I have a new baby. Mm. So I went back to work after eight weeks. And thankfully, we we had someone that um, was really, really, it was a family friend that took really good care of her. And she was the first person that allowed, you know, that really talked to me about, you know, balance in motherhood. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she was a single mom. She had raised her daughter. You know, she had raised an amazing daughter. And she was the first person in the even talk to me about making space for myself and you know Shadu and I continuing to have a relationship and have date nights she would say I'll keep her while you guys mm, go on a date that's awesome. and so even my old mom never really talked to me about that yeah. you know she she would dismiss it as well we did it you yeah. know like women have been doing this for years you know you got to just get up and 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 just and, and just do it and you know you'll be fine you you can do it all and in the back of my mind i was like but i literally feel like i'm drowning as cliche as that yeah. sounds um you really feel like you your head is just a little bit above the water and at any minute the water is going to cover it and no matter how much you paddle or how much you, you know, you gasp for air, you're going to sink. Yeah. And I remember trying to, you know, explain that feeling to my mom and, you know, and, and her just not understanding. And I, and I just felt weird. Yeah. You know, I just felt weird. Like I must be weak. I must, um, I must be missing something. There must be something wrong with me. You know, God must have made a mistake. I'm not cut out for this because everybody else seems to make it look so easy. This was at a time, you know, when I was on Facebook before I became kind of anti-social media. (laughs) But um, this was a time when I was on Facebook and I would see, you know, like new mothers, like women I went to school with or grew up with. And they were... um, You were looking at the highlight reel. Right, the highlight reel, and they were just talking about how great it was. So for me, I felt like, let me say something real quick so nobody's like, well, she must not love her baby Mm. or something like that. So, you know, I would make all this, this, you know, you know, these posts about, oh, motherhood is great. And it was great, but it was also tiring. Mm -hmm. It was also overwhelming. It was, it was challenging. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it, it was just like some days I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Is today the day where I'm just going to lose it all? Um, So, but I, I didn't feel like I had the space to say it. You know, I would say little things to my husband and he, and, and he would get it, but he wouldn't get it. Mm -hmm. You know, he would be like, okay, well, you know, you go take a nap and I'll have her. And while, you know, you're grateful for that, um, it still was deeper than that. I should have been talking to someone. I should have been, um, you know, doing little exercises to, um, help me out of where I was. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, it was, it was challenging and, and I didn't feel like I had the space to be able to say that because I felt like there's so many women that want to be in your place. Yeah. You were diagnosed with PCOS and you had a baby effortlessly, right? effortlessly without trying. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just got drunk on our honeymoon and made a baby. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's how 
that's how she got here. You right. know, we, we stayed lit on our honeymoon and, you know, nine months later, baby. Right. But, um, so I felt like I was almost like you, it sounds like it's almost like you didn't give yourself the right to be frustrated or the right to have like a difficult time. Like you didn't allow yourself to have the space to say like, this is hard, even though it was. And even though that people may, you know, be granted with the privilege of motherhood where there are others that aren't. It was like, I think we were talking one time about Dave Chappelle had that, that joke when he said, um, I'm starving. And someone said, well, there's kids starving in, in Africa. And he was like, well, that doesn't take away the fact that I'm still home. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. You're, you know what? I don't think I could have granted myself that grace because I didn't know I was allowed that grace. Mm. That they, These aren't things that, were, that was taught to us. Right. You know, now, like I say, we have the language for it. You know, but nine years ago, as quote unquote, as smart as people think I am, I did not have the language for it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how to really say what I'm saying now without feeling ungrateful, without feeling weak, without feeling that, you know, I'm betraying generations of women that came before me that did this yeah. and did it without complaint. I don't, I have the words now to say, maybe they shouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't have, I didn't have that language then. So I couldn't grant myself grace because no woman that I knew before me had that grace. Right. Gotcha. So you, you can't do what you don't know. Right. Right. So then, okay. So fast forward when I meet you mm-hmm. on a, as an outsider, <laughs> you, you, not knowing this story, it looks like you guys have like a great, um, you're in sync as parents with Zora. Um, you and Shadu definitely get your date nights and how Zora kind of fits into you guys' lifestyle. You're a very present parent. You're all about her expressing her emotions and having the right to have her emotions. Knowing that you've kind of had that distant relationship with your own mother, how did you picture yourself as a mom? Or what type of mom did you think you wanted to be? I knew I wanted to be a mother um, that was present. Um, I knew I wanted um, to be the type of mother where my daughter knew she was always loved. And there was always a safe space for her that regardless of what was going on in the world that, you know, I would always love her and not just me, but her dad as well. You know, we, we always wanted, we wanted our kids to see us be loving towards each other and understand what, you know, a healthy relationship looks like, because I mean, when, again, if you don't know, you don't know. So, um, but I knew, um, I used to say this, and um, and I'll explain why. I used to say I never wanted to be my mother because, and um, I never, I never saw her as a woman that was trying. I just saw all the negatives, and I never really saw all the positives. And it's um, so I used to focus on the negative that I just I never want to do the type of thing she did, and I would be this, and I would do that, but. Then when you start mothering yourself, mm-hmm. you understand that the good and the bad that comes with it, the fact that 
that I don't care how many books are written about this. Everybody's blueprint looked different. A, a three bedroom blueprint looks different from a five bedroom blueprint. And you can tell I'm like in the middle of house stuff because <laughs> as a, um, as my example, my blueprint can't fit in somebody else's blueprint. So you allow, you, you start thinking differently about motherhood. And then I started incorporating some of the things that my mother did, mm. you know, um, one thing I, uh, I really learned about my mother is like, she is just so giving sometimes to a fault, mm-hmm. well, 60% of the times to a fault. Um, and, um, I wanted, I, that was important to me. I wanted to instill that in my child, so, in my children now. So it's like in the beginning, I tried to run so far away from what I thought mothering was that, you know, we, we thought, Oh, you know, we're just going to raise just this, this, you know, liberal child that, you know, is so outspoken and all of this, not understanding that some of the things good or bad that we were instilling in our child came from my background and his background. But, um, another thing is we had to learn kind of by trial and error, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, on the outside, I always tell people like, I just didn't arrive to this point. We, we had to try, we had to learn what worked for us. We had to learn what worked for our family. And I had to also kind of stop being ashamed mm. of things and coming to come in face to face with my own shit mm-hmm. and understanding that, um, I didn't want to ruin my daughter. And that's something that I talk about in therapy to this day is I don't want to ruin her, you know? And I know that sounds like a, just a crazy thought, but I, I know she's going to be who she is, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to contribute to any, for lack of a better word, any deficiencies. Yeah. You know, I don't want her going out in the world seeking what I should have probably provided at home. So a part of that is, um, my gosh, all these mom Mm -hmm. things always make me cry. So a part of that was also forgiving my mom. Mm. Forgiving her and having some empathy and sympathy and understanding, like, her journey wasn't as black and white as I thought it was. Yeah. And I had to do that and able to be a better mom. Because if not, I was going to bring shit into mothering that didn't need to be there. And it could go one way. You could become overly obsessed in making your children like perfect. Mm -hmm. Or I could also be distant because I didn't want to, I didn't know how to do these things so I guess like and I'm having this revelation now while talking to you with I guess it started with learning how to see my mother as a woman that was doing her best given her circumstances and making peace with that Mm -hmm. in order not to be extreme in one way or another. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's almost like when you were put, not exactly in her shoes, but you became a woman, you became a mother, you were able to identify the fact that it's just a journey for everybody. We're all human. We're all trying to figure it out. She wasn't perfect. She was doing the best that she could. 
and maybe like it allowed you to give her some grace and be forgiving yes. and be understanding and that she was doing the best that she could with what she knew and you know a little bit better and you're doing the best that you can with what you know and hopefully generationally it just gets better and better with time we all take stuff into our motherhood journey you just summed it up perfectly <laughs> you kind of <laughs> said it in a couple of sentences of what i was trying to say because as i'm talking to you i'm working through my own feelings mm -hmm. with you know all of this because you didn't give me questions before this you know this is a conversation that we're having that we normally you know, these are our conversations as friends. Mm -hmm. So I didn't come into this with a checklist of what you were giving me. So as I'm talking to you, I'm working through this <laughs> and really answering from a vulnerable, um, you know, honest place. And for you guys that are listening, you may think I'm all over this, all over the place um, as I'm explaining that, but that's because as Keisha's asking me these questions, I'm really processing some of this for the first time mm -hmm. and I'm having to be honest. I can't, you know, go write them down and think about them and tell you all what I think is, you know, you want to hear and what sounds good. I, I'm telling you my, my honest truth. Right. And, you know, in, in this interview. Cause you remember like when we started interview, I didn't say, so today we're going to do, I just said, you ready? Record. Right. <laughs> You're ready. <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> okay, so then um you had your second, your son, which was five years later. Almost five years later, yeah. Almost five years later, and you know better this time. Um, you're a little bit wiser. So what did you do differently? <laughs> You think you know better than <laughs> And then you get home and freak out. <laughs> well, it had been some time in between. So, you know, that, yeah, that makes sense. Girl, I would probably freaked out if it was a year between. <laughs> but um, my with my son, it was a definitely different journey. You know, the pregnancy was different. I had a rough pregnancy with him. Again, I made it look good. I was wearing heels. Looking you were, cute. yeah. But it was, it was a rough journey. Um, with him, um, delivery was difficult. Um, and you I had think some trauma. You had birth trauma. I, it was a lot of trauma. And then come home again thinking, okay, I knew how to breastfeed. All went out the window. Mm. Um, but this time I knew to seek help immediately. And this time I knew to uh, tell my husband, go downstairs, whip up some formula. Yeah. Let's get it popping. Supplement. So I did, <laughs> I did learn from some of those things. But again, I didn't pay attention to my body. I didn't pay attention to my emotions and my mental state. Um, because while I did have the language this time around, I still didn't feel like I had the space to be sad. Mm. I still was up late at night, not getting any sleep during the day, even when my husband would force me and he stayed out a little bit, um, a little longer this time. My mom um, came this time as well, but um, not I can't remember how long she was there, but, um, so it was, it was difficult. This, my, and, um, for women that have gone through this, I ripped 
with my son, mm. um, like my, my vagina ripped. Let me be a little bit more specifically with my daughter. It didn't. So I had issues walking. You know, there were things there with him that, you know, I I didn't have before. So, you know, trying to hobble around with this baby, yeah. and, you know, while you're you're in pain. And um, it, it was it was like a different experience. And I thought this would be smooth. But then I also had a five-year-old at home that needed my attention too mm -hmm. and it had been her for um almost five years yeah and here she is having to share space with this person and is just dying for my attention and um uh that that part i was trying to find a balance with how to give her attention to make her still feel loved and still feel like but here I am he's always you know attached to me nursing and I remember um her just saying does he always need to drink from your boob oh. um she was just you know it had been and on top again uh, on top of it it was also another unplanned pregnancy mm, mm, mm. we did not plan our son and one day he's gonna hear this and be like what <laughs> but no Garvey, you were not planned um but we love you and we're glad you're here but um we didn't plan them yeah. we weren't having any more kids we had gotten to almost year five with zora and we were comfortable in our routine and said okay this is it and keisha you and i were actually training for a half a marathon we I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> and um, I kept like saying, I don't feel good. I just feel so exhausted mm -hmm. after all of it. And I just happened to be in CVS picking up some medicine for my daughter. And just to kind of like just clear my mind, there were pregnancy tests right in front of me at the counter. And I just got one, got home, peed on the stick. And it was like, what the fuck? Uh... Like, and I had to take five more pregnancy tests to convince me um even after all five of them said i was positive and i had to go to the doctor and the doctor literally had she did a transvaginal ultrasound and she's like yep you're pregnant there goes a little heartbeat wow about seven weeks <laughs> um, i was like what so that i think too kind of um contributed to it you know, contributed to, you know, my depression all over again, because um, I was probably in the best shape of my life at the time. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, here we go. I finally got to a place where I feel comfortable. I you know, I'm a gym rat. I'm working out. I'm doing this. And I give it all up. And I, so I think when I had him and it was such a struggle, um, to find that balance again, yeah. because going, you know, working full time, you know, raising these kids, still doing stuff outside of the home, I just felt like, damn. Yeah. So, and then I felt this need to like, you got to get back to, you know, the way you look before. And I'm going to just be honest with y'all, it's almost five years and I'm still not back there. So, um, that, I think that contributed to it too. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So my last topic I wanted to ask you about, um, I had Stepha Lafon on the show. Uh -huh. She was on there last week, and we talked about matrescence. 
And it was something that I thought was such an important topic to discuss because I feel like so many women experience that. And I think I personally had a struggle with it with after both of my pregnancies because I am such a person who likes to work and I have an idea of my future and my career. And I even was telling her in the episode how after this pregnancy, I plan to get back with my trainer. I want it to be in Miami for, for Labor Day weekend and frolic on the beach and that it didn't happen. And there were many times that I wanted to just like get in the car and drive off or I wanted to you and I even talked. I wanted to get like an Airbnb for a weekend by myself. Um, and it's like this this feeling of like losing your identity, losing yourself, figuring out who you are. How have you been able to navigate that? How have you been able to merge pre-mom and post-mom or Jay and all of these facets? How did you approach that? It has probably been the hardest struggle of my life. And um, I'm still going through it. So when I'm on the other side, I'll definitely let you know what that looks like. But in the past, I'll say three or four months when COVID slowed things down and I had to completely sit with myself and just have some honest conversation. I started journaling more, you know, checking in with my therapist. Um, I think it was the first time I'd really had a, had some, had an opportunity where I wasn't being pulled into a million directions that I had to sit down and really thought about the fact that for someone that, that preaches about balance and, you know, taking care of yourself, that I hadn't been doing a very good job of it, mm. that I had really put myself on the back burner, whether it was, you know, physically about how I wanted to look or, you know, before Garvey, I was like on my way to a PhD program. Mm. And, you know, so just different things like that, you know, writing my book, getting, you know, my um, life coaching things on, you know, on the road, I felt like I had put everything into a, I'll deal with you later corner. And my children, and my husband and you know all the you know the boards i sit on those things um became more important you know than than i was yeah and um during covid where it's like i don't have to rush to this meeting i don't have to do this i don't have to do this you know i really had to really sit down and really think about the things that i want and the things that matter to me outside of who I am, you know, I, I didn't only want to be defined as a mother and a wife. And then I had to really, in essence, get back to who I was or try to get back to who I was, you know, physically, sexually, you know, you kind of lose that part of mm -hmm. you too, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I had to, I'm redefining that, you know? Um, and I understand that who I am now at 36 doesn't look like who I was, you know, at 26 when I got married and had Zora, but I'm processing that and I'm understanding that there is space for me. Yeah. I create space for everyone else. So I have to create some space for me. There's, there will be guilt, but I'll be okay. Yeah. You know, I'll be okay because if not, then my, 
I won't be happy. Right. I won't be I won't be teaching my children what it looks like to truly balance what what happiness looks like, what self-fulfillment looks like, what going after your goals look like. Mm -hmm. So in this time, I have really just like really sat down and had like a girl to girl moment with myself to say, okay, girl, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) What, like, what do you want? Because not doing those things were making me even more sad. And I felt like life was passing me by. But I really had to think about what I wanted and what I wanted based off of me, not what my friends think I should be doing or my husband think I should be doing or my family thinks I should be doing, but the things that were important to me. And it is such a beautiful space. And, and you know me personally, so you can see the difference um, in the space I'm in now where I'm like, okay, girl, I got an idea. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, and yeah. my husband saw it and he was like, you, you just, you're going yeah. and, and it, and it feels good. And it's, it's not easy because I think as moms, we're always going to um, feel some kind of guilt mm-hmm. um, when we're making space for ourselves. And sometimes I think that guilt is necessary because it slows us down and makes us pay attention to things that we may be missing yeah. at home. But that guilt can also be, um, I think a, um, inspiration in a sense of um if you're going to take this time away from your family make it count make it worth it if i'm going to go to the gym for an hour an hour i could be helping my daughter with homework it better be worth it right right so i i so again i'm not on the other side of it yet yeah i'm still navigating that i'm still trying to figure out if it's east west north or south but you know um it's it's a beautiful journey and the things you you learn about yourself in that space it's it's really a good place to be in there's things i'm now enjoying that i didn't think i would like and you know so i'm so COVID slowed me down and really allowed me to kind of feel the guilt and do it anyways you know I, i always say so I'll answer your question with that. Yeah. And I will say this. I think that two things that have always stuck out to me that I felt like you, at least on the outside for me looking mm-hmm. in, looked like you did well was I felt like with you and your husband, you guys being intentional about making time for yourselves, mm-hmm. um, how you did it, doing creative things, going out. You know, you always describe you guys as being foodies, trying out different mm-hmm. restaurants and making that space for yourselves. I felt like was always so healthy and just staying connected with each other. And then also me witnessing you um, cross your line and becoming a part of your sorority, I felt like it was a big deal. Because I remember when you first started to talk about it and then um, all of a sudden it kind of happened. It was an interest right. of yours. And then there you were and I got to witness that. And that was big. Like you did that yeah. for yourself. And I know that that I was did. a lot of sacrifice on how you were available in all of the facets that you're in but you made it work it like you said you made it worth it and it happened and I think that's a big deal because I think a lot of women will say well I can't do that because I don't have the time I can't do that because I have to do this and they will sacrifice a lot of things that they've always desired to do right but a huge part of that for me too um and I and and I and I do consider it a privilege Um, Because I know not everyone has it. So it's a privilege in that sense is 
everyone should have it. You know, I have an amazing village. You know, I have support, you know, um, from my husbands to my friend. From I said husbands. No, it's just one. It's just one. No polyandry over here. One. <laughs> so, um, my, um, you know, my husband is really great. You know, sometimes I tell him, I'm like, you're a way better parent than I am. <laughs> but, um, so he's, he's really, really good in helping, you know, supporting me with, you know, whatever I want to do. Sometimes he's more, you know, hyped for me than I am for myself. He's like my cheerleader, you know, beside me saying, you know, go ahead, do it, you know, what, or how can we get it done? You know, so he comes from that place. So I'm very fortunate in that. And, um, and, and, and also my friends, you know, I know if I need someone to watch the kids, y'all will be like, okay, we're not doing anything. Drop the kids off. People, some people don't have that. Mm -hmm. And then my parents, you know, my parents are like model grandparents. They are. Like they mm -hmm. live for that grandparent shit. This they is true. want the kids to be around. <laughs> like they get mad when they don't see them a couple that times. That is a blessing. Long. You told me once you felt like your parents were stalking you for your children. They do. <laughs> they do. I'm like, can I just have my children? Like, can I, can you just let me just enjoy them? So, you know, I think for me, it, it's a very, I, I am blessed to have a village and I know that's not the reality for every, mm -hmm. you know, every woman, you know, some people don't live close to families. They don't have friends that they trust to leave, you know, their children with, well, you know, people shouldn't be your friends if you can't trust. I them agree. But <laughs> like, I, so, um, you know, I'm blessed in that sense, but even in that blessing, I was still like, you know, not making space for myself um, but so I, I, I really appreciate your words because, you know, it, it, it really helps me put things in perspective sometimes. Cause I can be really, really hard on myself you can. and I can like, just be like, well, I'm not there yet. So just for, you know, just forget it. So like, like that's really encouraging that, you know, you are one of my best friends and, you to have you say that especially someone like you who I, I think is probably one of the most ambitious and hardworking people that I know yeah girl don't make that face okay. um, <laughs> to have you know to have you say that means a lot because I do you are like my balanced person you know there's a couple of you guys as my friends that I that that are mothers and you know that are hardworking that are um are so good with balance um and 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 I watch, you know. Um, so you know, thank you. That that made me feel feel really, 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 really good. Of course. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show. It's always, you know, awesome to have you. <laughs> thank you, girl. <laughs>